Our Old Testament scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. Nehemiah writes, So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I got up during the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the animal I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate, past the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the animal I was riding to continue. So I went up by the way of the valley by night and inspected the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruin with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer in disgrace. I told them that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Then they said, let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. Friends, this is the word for us, the, pe- for the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Carolyn first shared with me that we were, would be doing a series on rebuilding a legacy, focusing on our legacy here at St. Mark and juxtaposing that legacy with the legacy of Nehemiah, I was very excited. St. Mark has long been a congregation that has reached out to help others and stood in solidarity with many. Our legacy here is rich and it is full and it is one of my favorite things to learn about and even more so a favorite of mine to talk about. In our legacy, many might know about Reverend Dow Kirkpatrick's involvement with the writing of the Peachtree Manifesto, also known as the Minister's Manifesto, which in 1957 urged white urban families to continue supporting our local schools by integrating peacefully, naming it as the right thing for us to do, the thing that God would have us do here in Atlanta. Some still may know about how St. Mark reached out in solidarity and support just one year later in 1958 to the Atlanta Temple which was bombed in 1958, where many of our Jewish siblings worship. The leadership of this church then proclaimed that no one should be fearful to enter their own house of worship. Still, some may know about how Reverend Bethel Raka Pitts reached out to the Atlanta Masjid and to local imams in 2017 when U.S. officials threatened a Muslim ban. She invited several imams and other clergy here into this sanctuary and spoke to our local press about how no one should be afraid to live, work, worship, and thrive in this country, which is full of immigrants of all different kinds of faiths and creeds. And of course, many of us likely know and are well aware of the miracle on Peachtree Street, which in, where in 1990, Reverend Mike Cordell and the straight members of this congregation 
reached out to a hurting and dying queer community, making us your own. This church, this community has long held a legacy of those whose ideologies and visions were not necessarily our own at the time. This is what has always made us a bellwether church, not necessarily the most popular, certainly not the least, not, certainly not the least scrutinized, but I believe that we have always, always been a church that has mirrored the heart of God, a church ready to give hope and peace and sanctuary to all who enter in and also to those who never will, but who have needed the support and the solidarity of this community. As I read our text for today, I began to reflect on this community and I began to reflect on our world. I began to think about Gresham Park and the protesters who continue to hold a line against a multi-million dollar facility to train police officers who continue to use tactics of brutality and wield their power unnecessarily and arrogantly without accountability and the repercussions that are needed to affect change. I thought about our continued struggle in the United Methodist Church for full inclusion and the ways in which St. Mark has offered sanctuary and simultaneously suffered because of this long battle. I thought of the people in Memphis, Tennessee and the cries of the broken over the loss of Tyree Nichols at the hands of the police, of the broken systems that keep our news cycles showing us body camera footage of the dehumanization of black bodies. There are many, many broken places. And if we use this passage in Nehemiah as a mirror for us, then I believe that we can see the walls of Jerusalem were to signify peace and justice and hope and sanctuary. And if we see them this way, I believe that we can understand Nehemiah's deep grief and also his commitment to seeing the work done to rebuild because I think that we can all understand what it looks like to gaze upon the walls of our church, of our society, of our city, and see them broken and worn. Today we are examining what it means to be committed to the work. In our passage, Nehemiah goes under the cover of night to examine the broken city and its burned gates. In later chapters, Nehemiah will name the people who will uplift the beams and the bars and the bolts of the doors to build back what was lost. This is a beautiful commitment, a beautiful symbol of how clinging to the hope of the city of Jerusalem brought the city back to life. Nehemiah knew that God was not done with the city of Jerusalem, and I believe that God is not yet done with us. However, I do not know if, like Nehemiah, we are rebuilding something that we are already familiar with, or if we are building something that has yet to be. After all, the, church, the doors of our church are not busted in, our stained glass windows are not broken, our pews have not been destroyed by fire. Yet we, our world and our church are still subject to the brokenness of racism and homophobia, 
sexism and ableism, the evils of capitalism and political polarization, and all of the fears that we face as we seek to do justice and love mercy. Perhaps unlike Nehemiah, we are clinging to a hope that we believe in, but are waiting to come to fruition. Perhaps we are looking back upon our legacy to see the beauty of what we can do next if we continue to pursue the heart of God. At the conclusion of today's passage, Nehemiah says that they committed their hands to work for the common good. I would like to suggest that there are many directions in which we could build that would, in fact, serve the common good. After all, there is much to be done. But I am unsure that direction or vision is what I'm meant to bring you this morning. Instead, I'm going to share with you what I believe are three tools that we can use as we continue to build our legacy here at St. Mark. Tools I believe can serve us as we continue to lay the beams and the bars and the bolts. The first is deep and intentional curiosity. When I think best of curiosity, I think of the Disney Imagineers who have worked for decades to create some of our most timeless and treasured animations. The Disney Imagineers talk about the difference between responding with no, because, and yes, if. They say that no because is a stopping point that does not embrace the endless possibilities of the imagination. Rather, yes if gives parameters around what might need to change in order for us to give a resounding collective yes. It implores the use of curious thinking. Yes if is easily followed by what if and the ideas from there begin to roll. Being curious is a tool for all of us to use as we build. After all, no builder truly builds alone. So we must be curious about what might be possible if we see things from another perspective. The second is unwavering commitment to intersectional work. St. Mark has many beautiful moments of justice throughout our history. I named several for us. But being one of the first churches to integrate in the 1950s and stand up against racism did not mean that there were members of this church who were not racist. In fact, as the story goes, racism is a part of the story. It also certainly doesn't mean that in that moment there were members of this community who weren't sexist or xenophobic or ableist. If we continue to build our legacy, I believe that we have to be committed to doing hard, intentional, and intersectional work. Meaning we must consider all communities at the margins as we move forward. For example, what might be good for those of us born female might not support our trans siblings. What works for those of us who at least for now might be agile and mobile might not be good for those of us with seen or unseen physical disabilities. We must be conscientious as we build to be good neighbors so that our neighbors might want eventually to come and sit in our pews and at our tables. Third, 
a healthy dose of humility. This one can be hard, but understanding that there are things that we do not yet know. My grandmother used to tell me often when I was a little girl that when you, start, when you stop learning, you start dying. Whenever we are confronted with new information about how we can be more inclusive, more welcoming, more aligned with the heart of God and therefore those at the margins, we must embrace that information humbly. Sometimes it is difficult to be humble. We all want to be people who support one another. I don't believe anybody likes to know when we've said something out of turn or hurtful or wrong. But we do, and we will. And when it happens, it is very important that we know individually and collectively how to respond. My friend, the Reverend Hannah Adair Bonner, says that you'll know when you are truly aligned in activism because whomever you are advocating for will tell you about your missteps to your face instead of rolling their eyes and talking about you behind your back. When we know better, we do better. But we have to be open to the knowing and to the correction in order to act and in order to grow. Okay, I know I told you three tools, but I do have a fourth. And this is not necessarily a tool, but perhaps instead a key. We have to know what is ours to do. Hear me clearly, that does not mean racial reconciliation is for you, but not for me, or inclusion is for you, but not for me. No, those are commitments to justice, and we answer those calls collectively. Instead, when I say we must know what is ours to do, I mean that we have many gifts in one spirit. Just as our lovely choir sang for us in our anthem, 12 gates in the city, some of us will be the eastern gates, ready to break with the dawn, to march, to protest, to call our senators, to show up at our courthouses, to put our bodies in the direct way of harm in order for justice to be done. Some of us will be the western gates, ensuring that all are covered in prayer until the very last drops of daylight, making sure that all are fed, all are watered, and that all have a safe place to rest their heads at night. Some of us will be the southern gates, supporting and buoying the movement with our financial gifts and utilizing our contacts to move forward and support good. And some of us will be the northern gates, ensuring that we keep the North Star in our hearts and minds aligned with the heart and mind of Christ, who consistently showed us preferential treatment for the poor and the oppressed, who stood unwaveringly before theocratic and empirical leaders alike, offering new interpretations of law and creed that served to level the playing fields of power. We all have our roles. What is ours to do? Our key to unlock the box that hold our tools of curiosity, intersectionality, and humility so that we 
like Nehemiah, can commit our hands to work for the common good of doing justice and loving mercy. And I believe, St. Mark, that if we do that, we will stand upon over a century of good work, and we will continue to build our legacy another century's worth of justice as we continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ here at the corner of Peachtree and Fifth and beyond. May it be so. Amen.